0: Welcome to another Adult Bible Study Guide, Exploring the Book of Job. Written by Clifford Goldstein. Edited for audio and produced by the Ambassador Group. Narrated by Byron Phillips and Lynette Newhart. Exploration 9. Intimations of Hope. This also will be my salvation, for a godless man may not come before God. Job chapter 13 and verse 16, the Amplified Bible. Man is the only animal, wrote British essayist William Hazlitt, that laughs and weeps, for he is the only animal that is struck with the difference between what things are and what things ought to be. Things certainly aren't what they ought to be. However, for a Christian who lives with the promise of the second coming, there is hope a great hope of what things will become, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 13. They will become something so wonderful that we, with sin-darkened minds, First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12, can barely imagine it now. This is a hope that the secular mind, in all its narrowness and parochialism, has lost long ago. Let's hear two scriptures which support those statements. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13 But in accordance with his promise, we expectantly await new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12 For now, in this time of imperfection, we see in a mirror dimly a blurred reflection, a riddle, an enigma... But then, when the time of perfection comes, we will see reality face to face. Now I know in part, just in fragments, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known by God. In this exploration, as we continue to explore the question of suffering in the book of Job, we will find that, even amid the unfair tragedy that befell him, that made no sense and that was not justified, Job could still express words of hope. What was that hope, and what does it tell you that you can hope in as well? forgers of lies. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips he is deemed intelligent. Proverbs chapter seventeen and verse twenty eight revised Standard Version Whatever one wants to say about the man Job, one can't say that he was going to sit there amid his sorrow and quietly listen to what his friends were throwing at him. On the contrary, much of the book of Job consists of Job's fighting back against what he knows is a mixture of truth and error. As we've heard, these men were not showing much tact and sympathy. They were claiming to speak for God in justifying what had happened to Job, and basically they said he was getting what he deserved or that he deserved even worse. Any one of these lines of thought would have been bad enough. But all three and others were too much, and Job answered them back. Listen to Job chapter 13, verses 1 through 14. What approach is Job taking here as he responds to what is being said to him? Job continued, Behold, my eye has seen all this. My ear has heard and understood it. What you know, I also know. I am not inferior to you, but I wish to speak to the Almighty, and I desire to argue with God. But you smear me with lies. You defame my character, and most untruthfully, you are all worthless physicians and have no remedy to offer. Oh, that you would be completely silent, and that silence would be your wisdom. Please hear my argument and listen to the pleadings of my lips. Will you speak what is unjust for God and speak what is deceitful for him? Will you show partiality for him and be unjust to me so that you may gain favor with him? Will you contend and plead for God? Will it be well for you when he investigates you and your tactics against me? Or will you deceive him as one deceives a man? He will surely reprimand you if you secretly show partiality. Will not his majesty terrify you? And will not the dread of him fall upon you? Your memorable sayings are worthless, merely proverbs of ashes. Your defenses are defenses of crumbling clay. Be silent before me so that I may speak, and let happen to me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth, and put my life in my hands, incurring the wrath of God. We heard in chapter 2 that when these men first came and saw Job, they said nothing to him for seven days. Considering what eventually did start coming out of their mouths, this might have been the best approach. That's certainly what Job thought. Notice too, Job says that not only are these men talking lies, They are talking lies about God. That's interesting in light of what happens toward the end of the book itself. Let's hear Job chapter 42 and verse 7. It came about that after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Surely it would be better not to speak than to say things that are wrong. But it seems that to say things that are wrong about God is much worse. The irony, of course, was that these men actually thought they were defending God and his character against Job's bitter complaints about what happened. Though Job remained at a loss to understand why all these things came upon him, He knew enough to recognize that what these men were saying made them forgers of lies. Job chapter 13 and verse 4. When was the last time you said things that were wrong and that shouldn't have been said? How can you learn from that experience so that you do not make the same kind of mistake again? Though he slay me. When we started these explorations, we went right to the end of the book and we saw how well things eventually turned out for Job. We saw that even amid his terrible suffering, Job really had something to hope for. In fact, living when we do and knowing the end of the whole Bible, we can see that Job had a whole lot more to hope in than he could possibly have imagined at the time. But when his children died, his property was taken, and his health was ruined, Job didn't have the advantage of knowing how things would turn out. What he knew, instead, was that life had suddenly turned nasty. At the same time, even amid his bitter laments about wishing he hadn't been born or wishing that he had gone from the womb to the grave, Job still expressed hope, and this hope was in God the same God who he thought was dealing so unfairly with him now. We could ask these two questions about Job chapter 13 and verse 15. What hope is presented here in this verse? What is Job saying? Job 13 verse 15 says, Even though he kills me, I will hope in him. Nevertheless, I will argue my ways to his face.
1: Even if he will kill me, I will trust him. What a powerful affirmation of faith. With all that had happened to him, Job knew that very possibly the final thing, the only thing that hadn't happened to him, death, could come, and God could cause it too. Yet, even if this happened, Job would die trusting in the Lord anyway. The riches of the grace of Christ must be kept before the mind. Treasure up the lessons that his love provides. Let your faith be like Job's, that you may declare, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Lay hold on the promises of your heavenly Father, and remember his former dealings with you and with his servants. For all things work together for good to them that love God.
0: Those words were written by Ellen G. White in the Advent Review and Sabbath Herald, October 20th, 1910. From a purely human perspective, Job had no reason to hope for anything. But the fact was, Job wasn't looking from a purely human perspective. If he had done so, what hope could he possibly have? Instead, When he makes this amazing affirmation of faith and hope, he does it in the context of God and of trusting in him. A logical question could be, how did Job retain his faith in God amid all that happened to him? Let's hear from two biblical references. Question. How do these verses help answer this question, and what does the answer tell you about the importance of faithfulness? and obedience in your Christian life. Job chapter 1 and verse 1 There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God with reverence and abstained from and turned away from evil because he honored God. And James chapter 2 verses 20 through 22 But are you willing to recognize, you foolish, spiritually shallow person, that faith without good works is useless? Was our father Abraham not shown to be justified by works of obedience which expressed his faith when he offered Isaac, his son on the altar, as a sacrifice to God? You see that his faith was working together with his works, and as a result of the works, his faith was completed reaching its maturity when he expressed his faith through obedience. Intimations of Hope He also shall be my salvation, for a hypocrite could not come before him. Job chapter 13 and verse 16, the New King James Version. This verse follows right after the one we heard in the previous section. How does it affirm even more the idea that, despite everything, Job had hope and that his hope was in God? What an interesting line to follow what came before. Even if Job were to die, even if God killed him, Job still trusted in his God for salvation. Though on one level it's a strange contrast, on another it makes perfect sense. After all, what is salvation other than liberation from death? And what is death, at least for the saved, other than a quick moment of rest an instant of sleep followed by the resurrection to eternal life is not this hope of the resurrection to eternal life the great hope of all of god's people through the millennia this was job's hope as well listen to 1 corinthians chapter 15 verses 11 through 20 two questions what is the hope presented to you in these verses Without this hope, why would you have no hope at all? 1 Corinthians 15, verses 11-20 through So whether it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed and trusted in and relied on with confidence. Now if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how is it that some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, useless, amounting to nothing. And your faith is also vain, imaginary, unfounded, devoid of value and benefit, not based on truth. We are even discovered to be false witnesses misrepresenting God. Because we testify concerning him that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and powerless, mere delusion. You are still in your sins and under the control and penalty of sin then those who also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If we who are abiding in Christ have hoped only in this life, and this is all there is, then we are of all people most miserable and to be pitied. But now, as things really are, Christ has in fact been raised from the dead, and he became the firstfruits, That is, the first to be resurrected with an incorruptible, immortal body foreshadowing the resurrection of those who have fallen asleep in death. After this strong affirmation in salvation, Job says that the Hanif will not come before him. The root means profane or godless, a word with very negative connotations in Hebrew. Job knew that his salvation was to be found only in God, only in a life surrendered in faithful obedience to him. That's why the evil and godless man, the Hanif, didn't have that hope. Most likely, Job was expressing what he understood as his assurance of salvation. Though Job faithfully offered animal sacrifices for sin, we don't know how much he understood of their significance. Before the cross, most faithful followers of the Lord, such as Job, surely didn't have as full an understanding of salvation as we can have living after the cross. Nevertheless, Job still knew enough to know that his hope of salvation was to be found only in the Lord, and that those sacrifices were an expression of how this salvation was to be found. Hope Before the World Began Could you, having gone through what Job did, express such a powerful affirmation of hope? Job's words are an eternal testimony to the reality of his life of faith and obedience. Job had hope, because he served the God of hope. Even amid all the sordid stories of human sinfulness, from the fall of Adam and Eve in Eden, Genesis chapter 3, to the fall of Babylon at the end of time, Revelation chapter 14 and verse 8, the Bible is a book brimming with hope, brimming with a vision of something beyond what this world itself offers.
1: The world has been committed to Christ, and through Him has come every blessing from God to the fallen race. He was a Redeemer before as after His incarnation. As soon as there was sin, there was a Savior.
0: The Desire of Ages, page 210. And who is the Savior other than the great source of our hope? How do the next four texts affirm the wonderful hope expressed in the Ellen G. White statement just heard? I will read them from the Amplified Bible. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Just as in his love he chose us in Christ actually selected us for himself as his own before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy that is consecrated set apart for him purpose driven and blameless in his sight titus chapter 1 and verse 2 based on the hope and divine guarantee of eternal life the life which god who is ever truthful and without deceit promised before the ages of time began second timothy chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 so do not be ashamed to testify about our lord or about me his prisoner but with me take your share of suffering for the gospel continue to preach regardless of the circumstances in accordance with the power of god for his power is invincible for he delivered us and saved us and called us with a holy calling a calling that leads to a consecrated life, a life set apart, a life of purpose. Not because of our works or because of any personal merit, we could do nothing to earn this, but because of his own purpose and grace, his amazing undeserved favor, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus before the world began eternal ages ago. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18-20 through 20. For you know that you were not redeemed from your useless, spiritually unproductive way of life, inherited by tradition from your forefathers with perishable things like silver and gold. But you were actually purchased with precious blood, like that of a sacrificial lamb, unblemished and spotless, the priceless blood of Christ." For he was foreordained, foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared publicly in these last times for your sake. These texts teach the amazing truth that in his foreknowledge, God knew even before the creation of the world that humanity would fall into sin. The Greek in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 9 says that, we have been called by a grace given to us in Christ Jesus before eternal time. This is a grace given us not according to our works. How could it have been our works if we didn't even exist then? But through Jesus. Even before we existed, God put a plan in place that offered humanity the hope of eternal life. The hope didn't arise after we needed it. Instead, It was already there, ready for us when we did need it. Let's listen to seven more scripture references. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world, that he even gave his one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14 Who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf, to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness, and to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession, who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. But when you pray, go into your most private room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 5. It is true that those descendants of Levi who are charged with the priestly office are commanded in the law to collect tithes from the people, which means from their kinsmen, though these have descended from Abraham. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature, be free from the love of money. Shun greed, be financially ethical, being content with what you have. For he has said, I will never, under any circumstances, desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 19 Your dead will live. Their dead bodies will rise. You who lie in the dust, awake and shout for joy. For your dew is a dew of celestial light, heavenly, supernatural, and the earth will give birth to the spirits of the dead. And John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, because I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again, and I will take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. Now let's summarize those Bible references in two sentences. Here they are. As Christians, we have so much to hope for and to hope in. We exist in a universe created by a God who loves us, a God who redeemed us, a God who hears our prayers, a God who intercedes for us, a God who promises never to forsake us, a God who promises to raise our bodies from death and to give us eternal life with him. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. Listening friend, will you make this hope your own, even amid whatever struggles you are facing now? Images of Hope. Listen to the following eleven texts from the Amplified Bible. Follow the progression of thought presented in these texts. What hope does each of them reveal? What do they tell you about the hope that you as a Christian can have in Jesus? Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And I will put enmity, open hostility, between you and the woman, and between your seed, offspring, and her seed. He shall fatally bruise your head, and you shall only bruise his heel. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 8. Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So the two walked on together. Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by reason of the life which it represents. John chapter 1 and verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. Yet we know that a man is not justified and placed in right standing with God by works of the law, but only through faith in God's beloved Son, Christ Jesus. And even we, as Jews, have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by works of the law. By observing the law, no one will ever be justified, declared free of the guilt of sin and its penalty. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 I am convinced and confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, the time of his return. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 No temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you that is not common to human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. But God is faithful to His word. He is compassionate and trustworthy, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation... He has in the past and is now and will always provide the way out as well, so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 22 Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the Most High God, and the time arrived when the saints, believers, Took possession of the kingdom Daniel chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 now at that end time Michael the great angelic Prince who stands guard over the children of your people will arise and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time but at that time your people Everyone who is found written in the book of life will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, resurrect. These to everlasting life, but some to disgrace and everlasting contempt, abhorrence. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 27. For just as the lightning comes from the east, and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming and glory of the Son of Man. Everyone will see him clearly. And Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44. In the days of those final ten kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will its sovereignty be left for another people. But it will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, and it will stand forever." Let's continue exploring. Here are a few thoughts to ponder. From cover to cover, the Bible is filled with wonderful words of hope. John chapter 16 and verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20 I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Psalms chapter 103 and verse 12 As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 16 The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth 1 john chapter 3 and verse 1 behold what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of god therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him psalm chapter 100 and verse 3 know that the lord He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. These texts are just a small portion of what is revealed to us in the Word about what our God is like and what He offers us. What reasons would you have for hope at all were it not from what is revealed to you? in the bible here are a few questions to consider what other bible texts speak to you of hope which ones are especially important to you and why of all the specific doctrines of the seventh day adventist church which ones do you find especially hopeful amid the personal trials and sometimes tragedies and hardships of life. Why is it so easy to get discouraged by events, even with so much hope presented to you? Will you try rejoicing in the hope that is presented to you in the Bible? What can you do in a practical way? to keep this hope in mind and to rejoice in it.
1: Talk hope and faith and thanksgiving to God. Be cheerful, hopeful in Christ. Educate yourself to praise Him. This is a great remedy for diseases of the soul and of the body.
0: You can read those words written by Ellen G. White in the book entitled, Mind, Character and Personality, Volume 2, page 492. Why is praise so important in helping you stay hopeful in the Lord?
1: Ambassadorgroup.org org.